and I just I just got up and I was like, I fucking broke it. I broke it. And I'm crying. And Sam's just going, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Welcome to the AHA podcast, a podcast that shares moments of realization that help to spark change, whether big or small. Hey, hi, hello. My name's Emily and I love change. This episode is all about feeling supported to discover a sense of self outside of expectations and finding a hobby that is challenging to foster resilience and to feel empowered. I am so honored to have my friend Amy on the podcast today. I have known her since preschool and intriguingly, we've had many parallels in our lives. Amy is one of the most passionate people I know who is committed to any goal she sets her mind to. While Amy is a PR consultant by trade, she is a powerhouse of a woman who strongly stands up for what she believes in. So without further ado, here is our interview. Amy, I'm so pleased that you've come here to speak with me today. Thanks. Been a very, very long time that I've known you. It has been a while. <laughs> it really has. So I want to get things started by asking you if you would have any superpower, what superpower would you have and why? Oh my goodness. I think it would have to be eavesdropping, listening. Because I feel like I often mishear things or I interpret things really out of context. And I feel like if I was able to really listen to something and then like, I don't have like a transcript of that conversation that I could quickly skim read, that would be amazing. Okay. So you're here to talk to me about your aha moment. So would you like to tell me a little bit about what life was like before your aha moment? I think I'd like to caveat to say I've lived a life of privilege and I really appreciate all of the opportunities that I've had afforded to me. However, (laughs) pre-aha moment, which is a series or an evolution of ahas, if you will, I think there was a lot of importance placed and value placed on things that weren't important, whether that be body image, lots of negative body image, I would say, superficial thoughts about how I was perceived by others. Like, I mean, I think I, I've always been a very positive person, but pre-aha, I guess, as I said, I was just looking for things that weren't actually going to be fulfilling. So you were trying to fulfill perhaps a stereotype or yeah. an expectation that was set by society that wasn't necessarily something that was fulfilling for you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the simplest way to describe it is just that I wasn't living in my authentic truth, <laughs> you know, as we were, as that sounds, as we both did, we finished school, we moved to England, we went on our gap year, we then moved to Sydney, started uni, you know, it was very formulaic, right. high school and, and then gap years and, and whatnot. And once again, 
very blessed to have that those opportunities learned a lot about myself and also about other people but didn't really know what to do with a lot of that learning for someone who had always been very confident as a child I think a lot of that confidence was lost throughout high school and probably going on a gap year (laughs) it's kind of like you can put on that bravado that sort of superficial element of looking like you're confident but I think that there's a really fine line particularly if you're naturally quite an extroverted person between being okay with who you are and being really comfortable and really solid in what you have to offer what you need to improve and how you're going and moving through the world and the space that you're taking up as part of that and I think that that comes from age it comes from experience comes from failures <laughs> and I think that that probably pre-aha moment and probably I'm talking more my late teens early 20s was a really important learning stage for me but um, one that I'm quite pleased to be out of <laughs> Yeah, and I think with that, you know, you move from a regional area yeah. that was quite sheltered and then you're thrown into a new country, first of all, Yeah, and then into a huge bustling city with many, many different people with many different ways of living their life and expressing their own identity, which is very different to the regional upbringing that, mm-hmm. you know, we both had. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think I've fully understood the impact of that shock until probably within the past few years then it was a real a real shock in terms of even just taking public transport like we didn't really have public transport in Canada or Tamworth there's pros and cons because in a regional area there is a great sense of community as we've talked about before but that comes at the detriment of your anonymity so you do something good everyone knows about it you do something bad everyone knows about it and everyone's talking about it that sort of is a real motivator to go to a bigger place like the city or a bigger regional center where you maybe have a little bit more of that anonymity but from there there is a real sense of isolation and loneliness that I certainly I know I was not equipped for and even on my gap year I had many other gap students that I formed great friendships with but I don't think I was necessarily ready to fulfill those friendships at the time because I was still very much trying to figure out who I was what I was about and what mattered to me yeah it's it's difficult man growing up growing up being tossed into a new place and trying to figure out your identity yeah tough shit it's a biggie and I think that you know we're always on this constant journey of self-discovery and development and I'm so about that but I think it's also hard to express that to the ones you love the most like your family or your friends who've sort of seen you from the beginning because there's this you know as humans we like to label and we like to understand okay this person belongs in this box I know what they're about who they are and then if that starts to shift or merge you know you have to re-educate your people to kind of say that's parts of who I am but that's not necessarily the crux anymore you know I've shifted my center to here and 
this is what I'm exploring right now. And that doesn't mean that I'm not the same person. It just means that I'm trying to get better (laughs) or just be better. I think that a part of that as well with, you know, family members accepting that you're trying something new or doing something differently is that quite often they have come to learn what to expect from you. Totally. Expectations. That is a biggie. Yeah. So what was your aha moment or the first of your aha moments? The first of my aha moments. It's a bit cringe, but biggest aha moment was definitely meeting my now husband. He is amazing. And the way that he makes me feel is phenomenal. And if you can find that with anyone, you must hold on to that person because having someone who regardless of what you're doing or what you look like or who you're talking to or what hobbies you have, like someone that's just going to love you unconditionally without question, you know, maybe not without question. We have a few arguments, but you know, who's just going to be there for you enables so much confidence. And I don't think that I would be the person that I am now without having someone as much of that bedrock, dare I say, who I knew at the end of the day, if I had a shit day at work or, you know, I'd gone and tried something different with training or I was meeting someone new or meeting a new client or doing something different or challenging or scary, whatever it might be that turned out to be a failure, knowing that you have someone who's waiting at home who can just make you a cuppa, give you a cuddle, just say it's going to be okay, put it in perspective, that is amazing. So that was probably my first aha moment. I would like to caveat, I'm still very much a feminist and I believe that independent women for life. However, I just think that, as I said, regardless of what gender, regardless of what role that person has, whether it's a mentor, whether it's your mom or your dad or whomever, just that one person that will have your back through everything just means you can take on some challenges that I think if you otherwise didn't have someone like that, it would be a lot more daunting. Not impossible, but just a lot more daunting. So you had the safety and security to take risks. Yeah, exactly. And I think probably before that, again, you just have a preconceived notion of who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to to give and what you have to offer the world. And I think when you meet someone who challenges that and says, well, actually, are you sure that your only gift is entertaining people and just being chatty all the time and just filling the space with noise? Are you sure that's who you are? I mean, if it is, that's great. But I think that there's some more there that we can untap. And one of the first things that I remember, Sam has said many profound things to me over the years, but he said to me, silence is okay, Amy. And I was just like, huh, hmm. 
And I think that he's really taught me, hopefully, and I've still got many, like many, many learnings on this topic, but he's really taught me to become a better listener. And that's really hard. And it's really hard to actually listen and actually wanting to understand someone rather than just listening to respond. Because I read this quote on, I don't know, probably Insta or somewhere, and that really resonated with me that it was just a lot of the miscommunication we have in this world is because we're listening not to understand, but we're listening to react and respond. And that was like massive light bulb where I just thought, I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm not actually listening. And to listen, you have to stop talking. So on that note, you're going to stop I'm talking. Stop talking. <laughs> oh, but that's what you're here for. You're here to talk. Oh, God. So meeting Sam and feeling safe and building that confidence in and of yourself and not having to feel the need to meet others' expectations was your first aha moment. From that, a lot of things snowballed in the sense that from feeling that sense of empowerment and confidence, probably more so in those earlier years, as you said, it was more safety, just feeling safe and loved and cared for and not having to be this bigger than life personality who's always on and who's always trying to to make you laugh and do all that palaver, which I still love, don't get me wrong, but I feel like there is sometimes a time where you can actually be a bit quieter and you don't have to be constantly performing, which took some time. Yeah, so I I think from that safety came the opportunity to really push myself out of my comfort zones and do things that I probably hadn't necessarily looked at doing before. I think definitely a big thing for me was negative self-talk and body image. And as you know, as a woman, it's unavoidable. Diet culture, demonizing food. You know, I definitely feel like throughout my gap year, I developed disordered eating and winding back and unlearning. All of that was a big step for me in discovering or rediscovering that power and kind of not letting, you know, eating toast for breakfast or you know having some potatoes at dinner that's not actually going to have any effect on you as a person (laughs) you know as you know like you've gone through this massive physical transformation yourself yeah I definitely went through a lot of food changes about you know what I would choose to consume and I am experiencing a lot more food freedom which is wonderful Exactly. And with that food freedom just enables you to like let go. And it sounds so basic, but when you're in that headspace and you're constantly being barraged by Instagram and back in the day magazines and media, just constant like bikini babes and the next diet and the next fad and what you need to do for your summer bod. We both went to an all-girls school. That was prolific, (laughs) you know, and that informed a lot of, I think, how we then navigated the world I still have, you know, friends and family members that still have that same mindset that is very much 
about oh I'm just gonna be naughty and I'm just gonna have I'm just gonna have a bit of chalky or something like that and I now get so jarred by hearing that language and I think that was a really big thing you know it's just such a complex conversation it really is <laughs> you could speak for hours on that <laughs> Right, so tell me about your second aha moment. My second aha moment, uh, rolling on from our first, was I have always wanted to ride a bike and I've always wanted to do triathlons, but I I didn't really ever have the money because road bikes are a bit expensive and I didn't have probably confidence to understand how it all worked and to go into a bike shop and actually do it which sounds stupid but my second aha move was buying a road bike that was quite the journey it was great because I sort of initially expressed an interest to to Sam about starting a new hobby I was getting really jaded by the monotony of the gym and I think I was placing again too much emphasis on what the body looked like rather than what the body could do as someone who did sports in high school and found that very rewarding you know I often went for for long walks and runs and jumped on my trampoline and did a lot of endurance exercise as a meditative experience for me I was really missing that as a physical aspect to my life and having that higher purpose for training. We did a lot of research and we bought two bikes. They're Colinagos and they are matching bikes, (laughs) which is so cringe. Although in saying that, we do often get pulled up when we're going for a ride around Sydney from groups. We don't ride in a group because I'm terrified. Um, but that's the next challenge. We often get pulled up because, you know, cyclists are just like, oh, yeah, cool, cool that you guys are matching. You know, obviously we look like we're together because we're often wearing the same kit. So we're really lame like that. But that was my second aha moment because from that purchase and investment, which was sizable at the time for someone who was just sort of starting out their career, living in Sydney, it's an expensive place. It sort of began that journey of discovery, literally by going around Sydney and discovering all these awesome places to ride, particularly around the Eastern suburbs. We're really lucky that we live in such a beautiful area, but it was also a very humbling experience because Falling off your bike at the age of 23, 24 in front of a whole bunch of people is really embarrassing. There was a whole period once we bought the bikes, we sort of thought, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. You then buy cleats and you buy cycling shoes. So they're like the clippy in ones. They are a real challenge to overcome. And we spent probably the first three months of our ride experience just falling over, falling over or getting bruises or just being terrified, like sheer, proper terrified. And it was awesome. It was so good because through that, overcoming something that is so new and so scary just empowers you 
like no other experience. So that was a really big moment for me. And to be able to do that with someone who I love spending time with and who was able to, we were able to laugh and actually there there is this one story that's actually ridiculously funny so we were leaving our house around our area there are cycle paths so we were going down the cycle path and for some reason I forgot to unclip I forgot to unclip and I just absolutely like bang straight on the deck in front of everyone or like all the passers-by and I actually managed to damage like the part of the bike the hanger or something anyway once again Sam's the mechanic and I just I just got up and I was like I fucking broke it I broke it and I'm crying and Sam's just going it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay we're in the middle of the street like it's it's a suburban area and he's just like it's gonna be alright and so then I walk this bike home which is only probably it was only about five minutes down the road at this point but wearing cycling shoes for anyone who has worn cycling shoes they are not meant to be walked in for long periods of time they are meant to be ridden in finally get home I am so devastated I'm just like I'm never riding this again I've ruined everything we've just spent so much money like full-on breakdown and Sam's like no it'll be fine he put it on the trainer to just work through the gears and make sure that it was fine and then he jumps on and something just flies off the back. This small part that is actually quite integral to the workings of the gears. And then Sam, Sam just gets off the bike and he's crying. He's just in absolute agony. He's just like, I've ruined it. It's terrible. So we're both just on the floor just going, this was the worst investment ever. Why did we do this? No, man. We ended up taking it to the bike shop. It was fine. It got fixed. But it's in those moments of pure despair where you actually realize life's not actually that bad, you know? And then there's so many other stories, aha stories from riding a bike or from learning to ride a bike to actually becoming quite confident with it. And then also then you start to get into competitions, which I have not ventured into because that's terrifying. But that will be the next frontier. What sort of competitions are you interested in doing? Well, I've done a few triathlons and I thoroughly enjoyed those. I've done sprint and Olympic, but the next thing on my radar is to try and do a half Ironman which is pretty terrifying but with COVID everything that's happening at the moment with that it's really hard to to plan for events and to do that so yeah that's that's definitely on the list as well as potentially doing some road cycling but as I said Riding in a group would be a good first start because we generally just ride the two of us or with one of our friends. But yeah, group riding, there's a whole etiquette to learn, especially around Sydney streets. So mm. I'm honestly just very impressed that you've got a bike on Sydney streets. I think that would be (laughs) terrifying. Oh, look, there's been a couple of near misses. Touch wood, we haven't had any crashes, which my mother is thrilled about but we're pretty careful you see the milk of human kindness in action on the roads and you also just see pure rage and the absolute worst 
<laughs> but you know we all are we're flawed as humans just got to accept those flaws <laughs> we sure do how has this experience impacted your everyday life it's huge it sounds ridiculous, but I think that we generally do most of our training in the morning. So whether it is a ride or a run or a swim, but being able to wake up early and, or just even, you know, earlier and accomplish something for the day, it builds that tolerance. And it's so amazing to see it's shocking really to see how if I don't do that ritual in the morning of just getting on my bike or just getting outside and doing something I visibly notice my stress levels are increased throughout the day I know that I'm shorter with my colleagues I know that I'm not giving as much to my clients and things piss me off a lot easier than they would if I had just spent the time going out doing something as I said whether it be on the bike or a run because it's that whole idea that you have to put on your own face mask before you put on someone else's oxygen and that has taken me a long time to kind of really be fully okay with that it's awesome because you can wake up and you can go hit a PB or you can just enjoy spending time. Like it's so crisp in the morning at the moment. So good just getting out, doing a ride, even if it is just around the park, just to kind of feel a little bit insignificant is really good for the soul. I absolutely agree with that. I really like your analogy of needing to be able to put on your own face mask before you can put on someone else's. It's filling your own cup and feeling a sense of accomplishment and doing something for you that's just really a empowering but b also just necessary for you to feel human yes exactly or even to to go a step further than to feel human but to actually feel extraordinary by prioritizing as you said filling your own cup and knowing that you know what at lunchtime I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to take an hour and a half because it's better for me to go out and do a swim or go for a walk or do some yoga, anything, whatever your jam is, just so that you know that you're actually going to be a lot better to everyone around you and every interaction you have after you've done that. So better to take the time even if it may seem like I've got so many things to do, my to-do list is just piling up. I can't possibly take any time for me. You always, I know it's easier said than done, but we as a society need to shift our values towards embracing when other people need time and when other people are at their limit and that actually going out for an hour, going for a run or whatever will make them better you know and will then subsequently make your life better i think from from the pandemic we've definitely seen a lot more flexibility with regards to working hours and output and i'd really like to see that continue to happen yeah definitely very important so you were discussing this idea of falling off your bike and you had this moment of, I want to quit, but you didn't. And you went to the store and you got your bike fixed. But something that can be really challenging is you're having conflict with yourself between I'm scared and I know if I stay at home, I'm safe. What kind of things did you learn from getting back up onto that bike? Oh, 
Great question. Resilience is a muscle, right? It's just like willpower is a muscle. And the more you take calculated risks, the better you become at getting knocked down. And what I have realized that innately, I I actually do consider myself to be quite a resilient person. And I think that comes a lot from probably from the performative stages of, of high school in the sense that not everything is perfect. I remember reading in one of those magazines, Brad Pitt, there was a quote from him saying your mistakes define you and I mean I don't necessarily agree with that fully but I understand what he was trying to say and I think that in a society where we are constantly critiqued on where our failures are we don't necessarily celebrate those successes so well or the other way we only celebrate the success and we don't necessarily see the work that it took to get to that point and the knockbacks I think it's really important to put yourself in those positions of vulnerability because you need to teach yourself how it feels to be at that low point in a safe environment so that when you do reach that high point you know that this is great but you know you also have seen the other side of the coin you also know the hard work that you've put into learning and to growing and one of my favorite sayings is without darkness you can't appreciate the light yeah exactly you know when you are in those moments and the pits of despair you do just have to even if you're not feeling it you've just got to get back on the bike and just keep moving I think that the momentum is really, really important and that's the hardest part. So it's overcoming that conflict. Yeah. And continuing to move forward. Exactly. And I think about conflict, there's a lot of negativity, whether you're having conflict with others or disagreements or having that internal conflict, as you said, we should celebrate conflict. It teaches you things about yourself. It teaches you things about others. And hopefully from that conflict, positive change is the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the conflict. Embrace the conflict. That's what I'm all about. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to me. Pleasure. I have learned a lot about you that I didn't know before. (laughs) Surprise. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I think this is a great podcast and I'm so proud of you for having the courage to deliver it to the masses. (laughs) Thank you. In this episode, Amy has shared her story on the turbulence of losing her sense of confidence through adolescence and the steps she's taken in understanding her own identity outside of both societal and existing relational expectations. She discusses the importance of rising above conflict to create change and explores the sense of empowerment that cycling brings her. What I really love about this episode is that Amy decided to put herself before others and in doing so, she can better serve. Amy, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest in sharing your story. I would love to hear what makes you feel accomplished, confident and empowered please share them with me at the AHA podcast on Instagram. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to the AHA podcast. I can't wait to share more AHA moments with you. Until next time, folks, keep striving for change.